I remember um, the very first time I ever preached on a stage like this, I was a senior in high school in Pastor Chad's youth ministry. And uh, <laughs> it was horrible. <laughs> I remember like we tagged team preach and he asked me, he's like, Nate, will you preach? I would love, I would love for you to preach. And like, you have to understand I'm preaching to my peers, you know, like it's, it's really difficult to preach to, you know, people, this, my, my peers, I'm in high school, hormones, I'm going through puberty, I smell weird, I look weird, you know, my voice is going crazy, and I remember like getting up to preach, and, and Chad is, is behind me, we're tag teaming, preaching this thing, and I'm preaching, I'm going for it, afterwards, like I walk off the stage, the night's over, and I'm like, I crushed that. That was so good. And I remember they gave me like a disc, a CD of my message. And I, on my ride home, I was like, you know, I want to hear how good I did. And I remember like putting it in the CD player. And not even halfway through, I'm like, oh my gosh, that was horrible. <laughs> like I pressed the eject button, took the CD. I literally just, I threw it out the window. I'm like, litter laws, who cares? No, no, I just threw it out the window. So tonight, I have that same message I'm going to be preaching. Uh, I'm kidding. This one's a little, just a, it's a little bit better. Um, man, but that was almost 10 years ago. And Chad's, Pastor Chad is still my pastor today. And I, I, I'm just, I'm blown away. Man, coming up from a little city in Washington, now we're here in LA. I just think everything happens for a reason. Every, God has just been planning and strategizing this whole entire time. And God's been planning and strategizing for you to show up here tonight. I, I, just, I just believe it. If it's okay, I'm, I'm gonna jump uh, straight into my message. And uh, we're, we're gonna be out of Luke chapter eight. Uh, Luke chapter eight. Uh, and we'll be in the 40s. So Luke chapter eight. And uh, a little bit of context. In Luke chapter 8, uh, verse 43 is where we're going to be going. But just, just before we get there, a little bit of context. We have Jesus, and he's with his disciples, and they're walking through uh, this Middle Eastern city. Now, at this point, Jesus is surrounded by people. Like, the Bible says that he's literally, there's the crowds are so intense, the Bible says that it's crushing Jesus. Everyone wanted to be near Jesus. Everyone wanted a moment to be with Jesus. They, they came from other cities, they, they would travel from distances, they would bring their entire family just so they could hear Jesus, just so they could experience Jesus. And, I, and the reason why is because wherever Jesus went, he left a wake behind him of healing and redemption and hope and change and joy and encouragement. Wherever Jesus was, people followed him. You know, like he'd go to a city and all of a sudden Instagram would blow up and he'd be trending and Twitter would go crazy and celebrities would be like, do you hear about this Jesus guy? Let's, let's go find him. And they, all of a sudden, everywhere he went, the place would be packed, it would be crowded, it would be, it would be wild, it would be crazy. Now the type of people that would usually come to find Jesus would be people who had, who had issues, do any of us have issues here at Zoe? Come on. I got some issues. I was, I was going to be honest. You know, this crowd will be full of people who maybe had financial issues. Maybe they had a relationship issues. Maybe, maybe they were depressed. Maybe they were curious. Come on, in this, in this crowd, there'd be sick people. Like, you just imagine this hot, sweaty, Middle Eastern day. People are, are jam-packed next to each other. Everyone's sweaty, kind of like I'm sweating right now. It's gross. It's disgusting. You know, they're, they're sick. Like, they're next to each other. Like, oh, what kind of sickness do you have? Like, leprosy. Okay. <laughs> you know, like, 
well, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I just want to say hi to Jesus. You know? <laughs> but you just imagine, you picture this crowd and Jesus is just trying to get from point A to point B. And we pick it up here in Luke chapter eight and verse 43. There's this woman and it says, now a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years, a, a sickness, a disease for 12 years, who has spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any, came from behind and touched the border of Jesus's garment. Immediately her flow of blood stopped. She was healed. Verse 45, and Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied it, Peter, who was one of his disciples, and those with him said, Master, the multitudes throng and press you, and you say, who touched me? But Jesus said, somebody, somebody touched me, for I perceived power going out from me. In verse 47, he says, or it says, now when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling, and falling down before him, she declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him, and how she was healed immediately. And I love this last verse, it says, and he said to her, daughter, be of good cheer, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Daughter, be of good cheer, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. I really believe that these words that Jesus said, these last words uh, to this woman, he's echoing to us here tonight. Saying, hey, daughter, son, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Now go in peace. Come on, some of us, we've come in here disgruntled, upset, confused, frustrated, depressed. I just believe that tonight, we're gonna leave in peace. We're gonna leave comforted. We're gonna leave counseled. Come on, some of us, we have a little bit of faith, a little bit of expectation. Tonight, we're gonna leave full of faith, full of expectation. Oh, I love this. Tomorrow morning, instead of waking up on a Monday upset and grumpy and pressing your snooze button 24, or 25, or 26, or 27 times, we're gonna wake up full of cheer. She's like, what in the world happened? And I love this story. This woman, oh man, this woman, one moment, one touch, one interaction, just one changed everything for her. Come on. The title of my message tonight is simply this, just one, just one. I'm going to ask this just before, before we go into the message tonight. Maybe you're here because you literally just want someone to stop inviting you. You have no reason to be here otherwise, but you're here now. Or maybe you've been serving in Zoe for, you've been one of our leaders, you've been coming for a long time, this is just another service on another night, on another Sunday, a little bit of expectation. Whoever you are in that mix, wherever you are on that spectrum, the real true reason why you're here is because somewhere, however small, you have an expectation that something can happen tonight that didn't happen last night. And I'm just gonna ask this, that tonight, that you turn up your expectation just a little bit. That tonight you turn up your faith just a little bit and see what one moment and one encounter and one touch from Jesus can do for your life. I mean, come on, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to jump right into this. Father, I thank you that here tonight, your presence is already with us. Lord, I thank you that your Holy Spirit is already here, Lord. I ask that you'd enlighten your son Jesus to us. That, God, you'd show us his love. That you'd show us his grace. That, God, you'd use me to speak in the name of Jesus. Lord, would you bless us here in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen, amen and amen. Quick poll, church poll. Um, how many of you have ever been in a situation that you felt like you had no control of? Yeah, a, a, a lot of us. See, for me, every single time I go to the dentist, come on, you guys are laughing, but really you're crying. 
right? You go to the dentist, you walk in, you're trembling a little bit, you're like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. What if they know how many Twizzlers there ain't? You sit down in these comfy chairs, and there's some magazines on the, on, the, on the table. They're all outdated, and they're weird ones. They're like motorcycle magazines. Like, why do you have motorcycle magazines in a dentist's office? I don't know. It's crazy. You're sitting there, and there's, the wall's thin. And you can just hear the screams and the cries and the torture that's happening. Like the ants, you're like, oh my gosh. Like, you start sweating. You know, you have, you're like, oh my gosh. Like, you're not talking because you know your voice is trembling. Then the, the technician or the nurse, you know, they come to the door and they open it up and they're like, Nate? And you're like, <laughs> like they're, they're smiling because they're trying to trick you. And they take you, you know, they lead you by the hand, like, come on, follow us, there's Kool-Aid, you know. And they sit you down in the chair, it's like leather, they recline you a little bit, like, we'll be with you in just a moment. You're sitting in that chair for an hour, two hours, three hours, nine hours later, you just hear people dying next to you. What's happening? And the whole time there's like a tray of instruments that are like sharp and dangerous and is your doom. <laughs> and they get there and she finally comes back to the dentist and they take these chains and they strap you to this chair. And <laughs> I'm only kind of kidding. Like this is just my childhood dentist, you know? But, but honestly, realistically, the place the situation, the moment you have no control is as soon as you need to go to the California State DMV. Right? Yeah, people are like, oh my gosh, you said the DMV. You know, you got, you got to get a new license. Like my wife and I, we just moved here from the Seattle area, and so we got to get new licenses. So we make an appointment at the Inglewood DMV. Inglewood. And we show up, we're excited. And we're like, you know, we show up like an hour and a half before it even opens. Like, we're going to beat the lines. It's going to be great. We get there. There's already a line around the building. So I get in line. And you know, like everyone, every type of person is in this line. There's like the disgruntled businessman who's got the Bluetooth and the suit. And he's yelling at his assistant just because he's upset that he's in the line at the DMV. And right behind him is the guy with the beard. And he saw the Cheeto puff stuff in his beard because he's binge eating because he has to stand in line at the DMV. Then right behind him is like the mom with like the 19 kids. And you ask to hold their baby. And they say yes. And you actually drop the baby. And then it's a whole thing. And, you know, and you wait in this line. And it's like two hours later, you get to the front of the line. You're like, Yes made it, got here, and they give you a number. And you're like, is it a raffle number? Am I gonna win something because I've been waiting for so long? Give me this number, you go in, you sit down. Come on, I just, there's nowhere that makes you feel more like cattle and less like a human than the DMV, you know what I'm saying? And you get to, you get to like, you know, the, the place, the teller, I don't know what they're called, and you get there and you're like, you're so excited. I did my hair and my makeup and, you know, like I look good. I got my sleep. I'm going to get my license picture. I have all my documents ready. And you get there and it doesn't matter how diligent and determined you are. It doesn't matter how much research you put into it. You give them, you slide everything across this little window thing in Inglewood, right? It's a window. It's glass. Hello. People get frustrated. And they're like, um, excuse me, sir, you're missing a form. No, I'm not missing a form you're going to need to go back to the end of the line and download the PDF document onto your phone. Also, there's a fax machine right across the street, $15 per page. You know, like, have you ever been in a situation where you just felt completely out of control? Now imagine this woman 
for 12 years. She has this ailment. She has this disease. The Bible says it's, it, she has a flow of blood. Let me give you a little bit of context. What this would have meant is that she would be considered unclean, that she would be considered dirty. You, she would be ostracized from her family, removed from her social circles. Her, her family literally would have uh, written her off. People would have asked her, hey, is this your sister? Is this your wife? Is this, is this your daughter? They would have said, I, I don't know who this woman is. Because she brings shame to the family. Her illness would have kept her out of the marketplaces that she normally would have shopped at. So she wouldn't be able to shop for food or for clothing. So she'd have to scavenge her way to get these things. Her body would literally begin to decompose and she'd begin to lose weight and she'd begin to get more and more unhealthy. Come on, imagine that situation. Some of us, I just, I just believe maybe that's not our situation, but maybe financial debt is. And you just, you have so much debt. You have no idea how to get out of this situation. So you just keep on accruing more and more debt, like, well, I don't know how I'm going to get out of it, so I might as well go until I'm bankrupt. Come on, maybe some of us, it's a bad report from the doctor, it's that terminal disease, it's that word cancer, it's, it's, that, it's diabetes, it's, it's that sickness, and all of a sudden you're like, how in the world am I ever going to get control of my life? This thing is, is taking over. Maybe it's a relationship. You're, it's a bad relationship and you have no idea how to get out of this thing. You just feel completely out of control. I'm here to tell you, one moment, one encounter, one touch from Jesus and you can be healed, you can be provided for, everything can change for you, your destiny can be altered. Everything, everything can change. My first point uh, tonight is the source of the solution is Jesus. The source of the solution is Jesus. If you're anything like me, I, I, I find it so hard to always fix my eyes on Jesus. And I got some problems and I have some issues and you know, the bill comes in the mail and I'm like, how in the world am I supposed to pay this thing off? We recently totaled our car and I'm like, this was not part of the plan, God. Like, what, what are we talking about? And it's so easy for me sometimes just to look for the solution instead of look to the source. Come on, you can look for the solution. You can look for that payment. You can look for that medicine. You can look to that doctor. But really, the source is Jesus. Come on, you can look for the solution and miss the source, but if you are fixing your eyes on the source, the solution will always make its way to you. Come on, this woman, she did the same thing. She, it says that she had this illness, and so she took all of her livelihood and gave it to doctors and physicians and healers. Now, we're not just talking about money here. See, this woman, she, she would have had a ton of money in order to give even one physician a chance to look at her and examine her. And it says that for 12 years, she gave all of her livelihood. So she gave all of her money. She was completely bankrupt. She, she exhausted that resource. But livelihood isn't just talking about money here. It's talking about her emotional stability. It's talking about her identity. She's giving her identity away. I'm curious here tonight, who are we giving our livelihood to that will never be the solution or the source? Come on, what, what social media are we looking to for validation and affirmation when validation and affirmation is at the source of Jesus? Come on, what family member are we giving our livelihood to saying, okay, well, maybe if my spouse, maybe I can just depend on my spouse. I'm here to tell you, if you do that instead of depend on Jesus, it will never end well. The source of the solution is always Jesus. It's always Jesus. 
It's in that moment. And this woman, it says that uh, she was in this crowd and she comes up behind Jesus and she grabbed a hold of his robe. And in that moment, in that grab, in that one moment, she's healed. It's miraculous. It's amazing. Now you have to picture this, okay? The robe that Jesus would have been wearing, it wouldn't have been like this, you know, t-shirt dress I'm wearing. It would have been like, you know, <laughs> it would have been like down, you know, it would, it would have been low to the ground. And, and there would have been tassels at the bottom in, in, in the culture. And she would have literally been crawling through this crowd in order to grab a hold of the bottom of Jesus' cloak. Literally at the lowest physical, emotional, and spiritual state, she comes to Jesus. In her lowest moment, and in that moment, she's healed. And I think this woman, she had to fight through three things that I think all of us have to fight through and push through in order to get to Jesus here tonight. The first one was this, she had to fight through the crowd. Right, I, she hears about Jesus. She's she's probably hiding, and she just overhears Jesus is coming to the town. We have to, we you know, hey, let's let's make some plans. Let's take some people. Let's go. Let's go see this guy Jesus. I think that he's amazing. Let's let's just go. So she she probably shows up. The crowd is swarming, and she gets to the edge of the crowd, and she thinks to herself, "How in the world am I going to get to Jesus? Like this crowd, it, this crowd is keeping me from Jesus tonight." Let's never allow the majority to determine our story. Let's never allow the naysayers. Let's never allow the haters. Let's never allow the doubters to keep us from our one moment with Jesus. Come on. I don't know about you, but I remember growing up and, and when I first said yes to Jesus, I gave my life to him and my mom over and over would be like, what are you, you're crazy. I remember she sent me to, to a counselor, to, you know, like the shrink. Like she literally thought I was going crazy. She sent me to the shrink but I didn't allow it to stop me from experiencing Jesus. Come on, maybe you're here and you're so discouraged. Your husband or your wife or your parents or your roommate, over and over and over. Why would you ever go to church? That Jesus God, come on, he lived 2,000 years ago. He's irrelevant, he's dead. I'm here to tell you, our God isn't dead. Our God is alive and he's active, amen? Come on, you see all over social media, you see all over the media, Come on, don't live that way. It's, it's way more fun to live this way. Oh, you're going to the club for church? Come on, instead of going to the club for church, let's go to the club to party. Yeah. And then wake up tomorrow with the hangover and then get fired from our job because we can show up. Woo! Come on, she had to face the crowd. She didn't let it stop her. She would have been going through the crowd and people would have noticed that it's, it's that woman, it's the sick woman. And they would have kicked her and pushed her and they would, have, they would have yelled out and shamed her and pointed fingers and called her names. She didn't allow, uh, let the crowd stop her from encountering Jesus. And the second thing, she didn't let her issue stop her from encountering Jesus. Physically, this woman for 12 years, her health would have declined and declined and declined. She physically, come on, in the middle of the day, sweaty, gross, thousands of people, her issue would have kept her from encountering Jesus. And every step of the way, she said, this is my issue, this is my problem, but if I could just get to the source, my issue wouldn't be an issue anymore. My problem wouldn't be a problem anymore. What I'm going through pales into comparison to who Jesus is. 
I don't know what to do, but I'm going to push through. Come on, some of you, you're, you have a problem, you have an issue, a financial problem, a sickness, a physical problem, you have no idea what to do. Let me just encourage you, just push through. Just push, just keep, keep praying. Keep coming to Zoe, go to a connect group, get plugged in, keep on reading, your, just push through. Jesus is right on the other side. And the last thing that she had to fight through is, was her insecurity. I, I just, I can't imagine for 12 years, you know, maybe the first time you go to a doctor and you give him your money and you're full of hope, this guy can heal me. And you're rejected. Then you're rejected. And you're rejected. Bad report after bad report after bad report. Your friends begin to leave. Your family begins to leave. You begin to be kicked out. I imagine that you're going to gain some insecurity. Come on, I gained five pounds and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm the Kool-Aid man. You know, like... Like, insecurity comes so easily to me. Like, you know, I can get five compliments, but if one person says something bad about me, that one, comp- or that, that one comment defines my entire day. It's filled with insecurity. Maybe it's just, I don't know about you, I just face insecurity, I struggle with it. And I think so often, insecurity can disqualify us from encountering Jesus. But the irony of the situation is that our insecurity becomes security as soon as we encounter Jesus. We realize my weakness is made strong in him, amen? So this woman, she, she fights through the crowd, she, she faces her issue, and then there's this secure insecurity. And I just imagine every step in every crawl, she's, what if Jesus rejects me just like the doctor? What if Jesus can't heal me? What if I get to him and he doesn't even realize that I'm there? What, what, if, what if that happens? But her determination with every other step, she said, no, he will know I'm here. He will heal me. I do have faith. My God is exactly who he says that he is. And then you can write down point number two. Jesus cares more about the who than the why. Jesus cares more about the who than the why. And it says this in, in Luke chapter 8, verse 45. This is right after she just grabbed his garment. And Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied it, Peter and those with him said, Master, the multitudes throng and press you. And you say, who touched you? Like, I just imagine, I, I, I imagine, you know, like his disciples like, are kind of looking at each other sideways like, is he serious? Like, there's thousands of people. And he's asking, who touched him? Like, does he want us to name them or count them? Because all these people are touching Jesus. But there's a difference. Verse 46, but Jesus said, somebody touched me, for I perceived power going out from me. <clears throat> I love this. The question he asked wasn't, um, why, why, why are they touching me? Why, why, did, why, why are they touching me? Um, why are y'all touching me? I don't want you to touch me. Why are you touching me? Why are you poking me? Like, you know, like, that would probably be crazy. That would drive me crazy. But he doesn't ask why. He asks who? Who touched me? Yeah. Who? Something was different about the, who touched me? Jesus cares less about the reason and more about the relationship. Yeah. See, everyone in this crowd had a reason to touch Jesus. Everyone. 
They all had a sickness. They all had an issue. They all had a financial need. They all had a relationship issue. Everyone in the room had a reason to touch Jesus. Jesus isn't concerned about reasons. He already has a solution to those reasons. Oh, your sickness, I can heal you. Nope, full restoration right here, right now, I can heal you. Oh man, I'm sorry to hear about your financial debt. Did you know that I own the cattle on a thousand hills? I hold the, the world between my thumb and my pinky finger. I, I, I have everything. I, I, I'm not concerned about the reason why you touched me. I'm concerned about the relationship. Who, who, who reached out? And this woman, oh man, this, this picture, and I'll, I'll invite the band forward. This, this woman comes trembling. And the Bible says that she realizes that she's no longer hidden. And she comes trembling before Jesus. And in the presence of all these people, she declares the reason why she came and touched Jesus and everything that had happened to her. And I, just, I, I imagine this moment where this woman is in front of all these people. She's probably on her knees at this moment, not even making eye contact with Jesus. And I don't think here in this moment that this woman started to declare all of her issues. I, I just, after reading it over and over and over and over, I, I'm just convinced this woman didn't show up in front of all these people and say, the reason why I came is because I'm sick. The reason why I came is because I have insecurity. The reason why I came is because I'm poor. The reason why I came is because I have relationship issues. The difference between this woman and every other person in this crowd is because was that she wasn't concerned about her solution. She was concerned about meeting Jesus and finding Jesus and in one moment encountering Jesus. And I just imagine she's on her knees before Jesus and she probably starts in a trembling voice, probably tears coming down her eyes. She starts to declare, the reason why I'm here is because I just, I believe that Jesus is who he says that he is. I believe here in this moment, I, I came, the reason why I came is because I knew that he could heal me, but that he loves me. I have faith that he's a God who's desperate for me and desperate for his people. And I begin, I believe that she began to get stirred up and begin to look around in the presence of all the people, begin to declare and proclaim, no, no, this guy, Jesus, the reason why I'm here is because in him, everything is different. In him, everything changes. In him the, is the source of all my solutions. There's love, there's joy, there's encouragement. In Jesus, everything is different. That is why I'm here. Oh, and by the way, I'm healed. Oh, and by the way, he had the solution I was looking for as well. Come on, you stand to your feet. My last point, and you can write it down later, <laughs> is this. Through Jesus, everything is new. Or everything is new in Jesus. Everything is new through Jesus. Everything is new through Jesus. Thank you. After all this happens, after this woman makes her declaration in front of all these people, there's probably a circle forming now. Jesus looks at her and probably with the most tender eyes, the most loving eyes, he says these words to her, daughter, daughter, son. Be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. See, Jesus didn't just restore her physical body. 
He restored her social status. He gave her a new identity. Everything is new through Jesus. This woman who, this woman wasn't a daughter anymore. She wasn't a wife anymore. She wasn't a sister anymore. This woman was literally defined by her sickness. She was defined by her problems and by her issues. Jesus looks at her and says, no, 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 not anymore. You are my daughter. You are my son. Everything that I have, you have. Every blessing that I have is your blessing. My joy is your joy. My encouragement is your encouragement. This is not who you are any longer. Come on, and John, chapter 10. Oh, I love this. In John chapter 10, Jesus calls himself. He says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. I'm here to tell you, through Jesus, everything is new. He is the gate and he is the door. And through Jesus, there's joy. Through Jesus, there's healing. Through Jesus, there's salvation. Through Jesus, there's redemption and there's hope and there's joy. Through Jesus, all good things come. Come on, if you feel comfortable, would you lift your hands all across this room? We're gonna go back into this song and let's lift our hands. Let's reach out to Jesus. Let's declare that he is the king of kings. 